0: Welcome to Puck It, will Do It Live, our pre-recorded Minnesota Twins podcast. It is Monday, September 30th, and the playoffs are finally here. Twins-Yankees starts on Friday in New York. We'll have plenty more to come on that today, and on Thursday's show will be our big preview show. I'm Zach Pierce, managing editor of The Athletic Minnesota, joined as always by Dan Hayes, who uh, is so dedicated to this podcast that he is actually coming to us live right now from the press box in Kansas City during game 162. Dan, how is it in there right now?
1: Oh, it's tense. I mean, it is. Oh, that's because the Chiefs game has ended. Uh. <laughs> Did they win? The Chiefs win? Uh, the Chiefs pulled ahead with 30 seconds to go. There's nine seconds left currently. This is currently being taped at 3.35 p.m. Sunday. Uh, that's the timestamp here. Uh, and uh, you'll notice that's important on the story that Lindsey Adler and I turn in for uh, Sunday night or Monday um, about the back and forth of the home run race over the final weekend. So mark on your timestamps 335 that's when we're recording.
0: So the regular season comes to an end uh, as Dan uh, let the cat out of the bag there that we we're taping during Sunday's finale. so we can't yet say exactly how the twins finish the regular season but either 101 or what would be a record tying for the franchise, 102 wins if they finish off the Royals currently leading four to three in the top of the fifth but maybe the more significant thing happening Sunday is the home run race that you alluded to Dan between the twins and the Yankees going back and forth Yankees started the day in front by one twins have hit three so far on Sunday just one for the Yankees that's really would really be the cherry on top of what's been a
1: phenomenal last month of the season Dan I I think actually all of them are because if they win they get the 102 and that's the franchise record ties for the franchise record and victories um now, there's a couple things at play here. Rocco was really pumped in pregame uh, during interim manager E-Ray Adrianza's media <laughs> session. Rocco took a side seat, and he was actually pretty fired up about the fact that if the Twins won on Sunday, that'd be 56 road victories, which would be the third-best all-time. They're already tied for the third-best all-time um, with, like, maybe the 71 A's. But, you know, this team has been fascinating on the road all season long, and so there's a couple things they went into the last day playing for. They were kind of downplaying the whole home run record, and I think that's because they knew they weren't going to play their A lineup all weekend. You know, they're just, it just made no sense to do that. Um, so they were basically looking at it like, well, if we get it, we get it. But, you know, they had the rain out on Friday. They lost uh, lost three innings to it there. and So I, I think they're kind of like that one It's funny as much as it means to fans, and I know it means something to uh it means something to communications director Dustin Morse too. Um, they uh, the players are downplaying it, but I'm sure they want that one too. And uh, the way they've gotten there so far is pretty fascinating. You know, Jason Castro just hit one a few minutes ago to put them up 307-306. His first home run since August 9th earlier in the day. C.J. Crone hit his first since 30, August 31. Um, and Jason or uh, Jake Cave hit his first since August 29th. So. Three guys contributing today that have not hit one in a long time, and it's kind of adding some intrigue to this as we go.
0: Yeah, uh, makes sense to downplay it, Dan. And I think you know, uh, given the circumstances with the injuries this team's had this season, uh, not playing the A lineup was the way to go uh, throughout the weekend. Hasn't seemed to affect him much as they've continued to win three and O, going on maybe four and and0 with their uh, their rest lineup uh, out there, but. Um, Unfortunately, we saw part of the reason why you want to uh, sit those starters on Saturday when Luis Arias got hurt trying to feel a pop up, a little miscommunication, maybe a tricky spot with the ball right on top of the mound and a collision with williams Ostadio. Arias left the game on a cart. Uh, it looked horrible, Dan. And, and of course, with, the, with getting carted off the field, which you don't see a whole lot in baseball, and then the tears that uh, kind of welling up in his eyes there, you thought the worst. The Twins seem to have avoided the worst, but his status very much now in question for uh, the ALDS.
1: It is, and it, but it is they're fortunate. Um, you're right. It looked terrible. You don't. You know, it's one thing. I, you love social media. Uh, my goodness, some people were guessing, and and it, I mean, look, I'm not gonna downplay. It It looked really bad yesterday when he. You don't like to see the stretcher come out. He's wiping tears from his eyes. It looked pretty devastating. But you gotta, you gotta take a. Uh, you got to wait till stuff comes in. And after the game, they said x-rays were good. They were negative. Um, and so there were no breaks. And they were optimistic. And I, we walk in, and there's Louis Rise still in his jersey, backwards hat, on crutches, laughing with his teammates. Uh, told him, but I'm okay. You're like, and, and you're like, wait, what? And, and he's hobbling. I mean, you can't put weight on it still. Um, but it was kind of – it was strangely uh, – a little optimistic, and you come in on Sunday morning, and you find out MRI, they've diagnosed a grade one strain, um, a grade one ankle sprain, which is the lowest and best ankle sprain you can really come away with, I guess, and um, that's got a timetable of like five to 14 days, so we're, we're five days out right now from the, the playoff opener, and you wonder, you know, Rocco Baldelli basically said, we're going to treat him as much as you humanly possibly can treat an ankle um, so I imagine that they're just going to have, uh, mas- like a uh, masseuse is coming in 24 hours around the clock. <laughs> Louis arrives is going to be asleep on his bed and they're just going to be working on his ankle while he's asleep and, you know, give him 110 hours of, uh, of, uh, ankle, uh, treatment in between now and, um, you know, when they have to make that decision. But it is definitely a big moment. I mean, you, he's been such a huge part of this team and, you know, here we are focusing on the, the Bomba squad and Bomba season and. And uh, Louis Rise has been perfect for that lineup because he's not a big home run hitter. I mean, he did hit the home run in the clincher to, to win the, uh, the game the other night in Detroit. But he, uh, he's this little slap hitter and, like, great bat-to-ball skills and um, is a perfect complement to all the big home run hitters in the lineup because he makes pitchers work. He knows his zone. He's ever confident for being a 22-year-old, and they would really miss him in that series. So, it it's definitely something where you have to go, wow, what happened? I mean, it, it was a big moment on Saturday, and the the problem is is that you know as many guys as they have here, they I think they have thirty seven active guys right now. You can't play all those guys, or you can't you don't have enough backup position players to fill out a roster. We've seen it all week. You know, Jonathan Scope played the hangover lineup on Thursday, um, uh, Nelson Cruz played Thursday, Friday, or maybe it was just Friday, Saturday, but. You've seen one or two starters kind of interspersed throughout the lineups all the way through, and it's just impossible to keep all nine guys off the field. And um, They ran into an issue with one of the more important ones on Saturday, and it definitely puts a little bit of a wrench into the plans here.
0: Given the situation, the timetable for the injury, Dan, and obviously his uh, importance to this lineup and this team, at, at what point do you think the Twins? Uh, obviously, they have until Thursday. Is that right to set the uh, set the right. roster? Right. If they if they feel like he's he would be a no go for Game One, but maybe for Game Three, back in Minnesota with that extra three days of rest, would that be something that you think that they would consider
1: using a roster spot for him, or is it he's got to be ready to go at the beginning? Um, I think if they thought maybe Game Two, it's so tricky. It really is a tricky proposition, and and. You know with how optimistic they are you know like you say three seems like a real possibility i think that's eight days um you know and and what do you do because if you take a 13-man pitching staff into this uh you're at 12 position players and that's tricky um if you take him if you replace put him on the roster for someone that was injured that player that was gets removed for being injured would be ineligible for the next series. So say someone else, when he went out there for someone else and that person was replaced as an injury replacement, they wouldn't be available to the twins again until the world series. So it's, it's very dicey. And so you've got to hope that if you're them, you can get into, into position where maybe he can be back for a, a game on Saturday at Yankee stadium. And, and you just missed the one. Uh, but again, they're, they're more optimistic um, than things looked yesterday. Um uh, that being said, they've been upbeat all year. They've really told us some, you know, Eddie Rosario was going to be okay. Like, it's happened multiple times where they sort of downplayed the significance of it. And it, it, it's their benefit. The Yankees have to look at this and go, are they going to have a rise? Aren't they not going to? If they ruled them out entirely, you know, that's easy for the Yankees to just scratch that off in their preparation. Um, one less guy to worry about. But, you know, the the twins are all about the deception when it comes to this stuff. We've seen it with their starting pitchers of late and that kind of stuff. They don't mind doing it. Uh, It's a little bit of gamesmanship, and they're they're good at it. So I think they they take advantage of things they can, and that might just be the case here. But um, they'd certainly be better off if he is back, even if it's missing a game or two.
0: Just an amazing story because I would wager to to guess that 98% of Minnesota Twins fans uh, had never heard his name before. A few months ago, and he comes onto the scene uh, in a pinch and makes the kind of impression he made. And brought that swagger where he, you know, waves off every pitch that's out of the strike zone as if he uh, is telling the umpire what to what to call, as you as you put it uh, in your story last night, Dan. And uh, j- just amazing that we're talking about what a key loss this is from a guy who wasn't even in the team's plans uh, earlier in the year. But uh, it, it's been keeping with the theme of the season, people stepping up when they've when uh, when they've needed it. And I think that continued even this weekend uh you know the twins had everything wrapped up by wednesday night we were taping our last podcast during thursday's game in detroit with the c lineup or the rochester lineup whatever you want to say uh out there just tearing it up against the tigers and they've continued to win all weekend to to achieve the 100 win mark which is something that's uh, obviously not since 1965 that the twins done that uh so this team has continued to fill in gaps and and win games every which way and i know it's just the tigers and royals and i'm not saying uh that this is a, a preview of what's to come in New York. But you mentioned, Dan, one of the best road teams of all time. It does not phase them. And, and another thing that they've talked about all season long is that as much as you, the fan, might be psyched out by the prospect of playing the Yankees, that really doesn't matter much to this whole crew, does it?
1: No, it doesn't. Rocco gave a pretty good quote about that before uh, Saturday's game. Yeah, obviously, late Friday, that's when the uh, Astros wrapped up home field for the AL and and so Rocco Baldelli was asked about it yesterday, or Saturday, sorry, and he said, uh, "You know, I don't care to be honest. Nothing that happened in the past affects our team in any way, and and that's been the way they've really treated this all year. They treated it that way with the the Indians trying to chase them down. They just they basically just thought about what they could control all year, and I think that's really helped them quite a lot because when when." Uh, They've faced some some spots they basically knew look all that matters is we control what we can do and the other team does what it does you know if the if the Indians win 110 games and we win 102 and, and that doesn't get it done, so be it but I mean they, they basically know what is in their their control and, and so that Yankee stuff doesn't matter to them. I think that's a great place to go into it. It's still a significantly, um, huge challenge the yankees are going to be favored in the series there's no question but you know one of the things we'll be writing about this week is just how much the twins bullpen has been a force uh especially since the the trade deadline and how it gives them a shot you know rocco Baldelli said on sunday that he didn't know if the twins bullpen could have been any better in the second half and we'll we'll uh alter that for him because the start of the second half was pretty freaking awful uh, but basically from the the trade deadline on august 1 they have been outstanding um, just taking a look at it they have a 3.9 wins above replacement over that span team era to uh 374 but you know that also counts the fact that some of these guys have been pitching bulk and starting roles but 10.2 strikeouts per nine with only 2.3 walks per nine obviously tyler duffy's been outstanding that's time trevor may has been outstanding zach littell's been outstanding cody Stashak, 25 strikeouts one walk um as a guy who keeping up with the theme of you have never heard of him before and came up and had a really big impact but they're uh, fielding independent pitching over that span at 353 is the best amongst all bullpens in baseball. And, you know, I, I think going in they have some confidence that if they get the lead and they have the kind of offense that does it, and the Yankees don't have lockdown starting pitching either. This is going to be really interesting to see what Luis Severino can give them, what they can get out uh, of Tanaka and all their guys. Um, this is not a, a closed and shut case. This is a This should be a really interesting series. And I think the Twins are confident if they have the lead that they can hold that lead with the group they have that they're bringing into games.
0: Yeah, the season series was 4-2 to Yankees. And obviously there was that uh, absolute batshit crazy game at Target Field that uh, would have gone to the Twins if not for a phenomenal catch and center by Aaron Hicks to end the game. So, uh, played pretty evenly during the regular season. It's it's uh, it's looking like the Twins. I mean, if the if the current scores of these games hold right now, are going to end up just one game behind the Yankees in the standings. Uh, so, yeah, Brian
1: Cashman actually talked about it on Sunday. Or uh, Lindsey Adler, our reporter, I'll read you this quote real quick. Uh, Cashman and it was rambling. I'm not going to go into the. Two hundred to three hundred words, but he said we've got a lot of respect for the Twins, especially the last series we played against those guys. We got out of Minnesota by the hair of our chinny chin chin. It was a real slugfest and back and forth. And it obviously culminated in Aaron Hicks diving catch. And I think it's a massive respect for the the Twins. Blah blah blah. But um, the, 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 the this should be a good series, a fun series.
0: On August twelfth. It was full red alert mode. The Twins had lost their entire 11 can and a Can I game clarify?
1: Lead. I was not in red alert mode, if you well, recall. Well, okay. All right. All right. Hold on. I
0: was going to give us some props at the end. But, <laughs> uh, twins had lost their entire 11-and-a-half game lead, trailed the uh, Indians by a half game after that day. The next day, the Twins won, and the Indians lost. The twins never gave the lead up again, and they, again, if these two scores hold, Cleveland's and Minnesota's today, are going to end up winning the Central by nine games. <laughs> yeah, so, Zach Meisel uh,
1: actually predicted that himself. He said he thought it was more likely the Twins won by nine games. It. than it, it's been it's really crazy, right? That that could happen. That yep. that they end after losing an 11 and a half game lead. Um, that they would end up back in front by nine, and I think it just speaks to how good the Twins have been consistently.
0: And obviously, it could have gone. Uh, a number of different ways, but I think your point, um, and, and I suppose mine as well, uh, throughout the season, even as we were getting accused of, uh, you know, being the, being the dog in the jiff where the house is burning down, and you say this is fine. But is you know, it's a long season. There were certainly excuses to be made for why the Twins were um, were slumping, uh, slumping quote in air quotes because it was still basically 500 baseball. But um, and the Indians were also playing at a level that just didn't feel sustainable. And the twins maybe were playing at a level that wasn't sustainable uh, at the beginning of the season. So um,
1: here's some leveled good numbers out. on that. Yeah, yep. they did. Oh, keep going. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you go know. ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say here's some. I'm cool used numbers. to it by now. Go ahead. <laughs> by June one, the twins were sitting at 38 and 18, and everybody was going crazy. Well, if the twins win on Sunday, uh, August and September, they will have ended up going. Thirty-six and nineteen over the final two months of the season, um, yeah. they got back to where they were at the start of the year. And and when they were slumping, the air quotes, like you said, they still in June and July went twenty-eight and twenty-three. If that's your slump, give me that every day of the week. And and clearly they've finished the season with this really easy portion of the schedule. And and if they win on Sunday, go eleven and two down that stretch. But so what? Everybody gets their schedule. The Yankees play the Orioles and the Blue Jays. Those teams are awful. Uh, those teams are horse shit, too. And you True. know, I know they mm-hmm. play the Rays and the the Red Sox. Uh, but everybody has their easy parts of their schedule, and the Twins have thrived at August and September because of that rest and recovery. They've they've kept their bullpen in great shape. They feel like their bullpen's in in very healthy shape going into this. And uh, it's it's uh, they've always had that big picture mentality and that confidence. And that's really all that matters. That seems to matter, and you know, it's put them in the spot that they wanted to be in, uh, heading into Friday in New York. And I think I don't see that changing. The results might change. You know, obviously, who you're facing is different, but neither team. Both teams have strengths. Both teams have weaknesses. It's not like this is the Twins versus the Astros, and um, right away, and it, it should be pretty entertaining.
0: The other big question mark besides arise Dan is, uh, or maybe not a big question mark at this point, but a guy who hasn't played in a while is Max Kepler. Uh, sat out again on Sunday, uh, at least as far as I've seen. He hasn't been in the game. But um, wh- the latest on him and how he's looking for the ALDS.
1: I would wager money on it, um, good amounts of money on it. He'll be in the lineup on Friday. He was swinging the bat in Detroit. He went onto the field and took batting practice. If any of this had really mattered, if this had been do or die, I think he would have played. I think they knew. You know, he hasn't played now. This is Sunday is the 15th day in a row he has not played. Um, played both games, of that doubleheader. Definitely aggravated something in the scat muscle uh, in that um, doubleheader. And, and they've basically said we're not confident that if he went out right now that he wouldn't do something to irritate it again. And so why would we do that when we can give him another week to rest it by the point he plays, it will obviously be difficult to come back having not played a, a real game, game speed, for just under three weeks. It'll be like 20 days. But the plan calls for him to face a lot of live pitching during their workouts this weekend or this week. They're going to, I believe, I don't know if they're working out Monday, but I know Tuesday they're going to work out. I believe they're going to do a private workout on Wednesday. Um, and and then they have the workout Thursday. And the intention is to have some... Uh, live pitching uh, him face it for the first time and not like facing, you know, triple a manager, Joel Skinner, but maybe facing somebody, you know, like Randy Dobnak or probably not Dobnak cause he's going to be in the postseason roster, but some of the guys that um, are down the food chain that are still here and throwing that they're going to kind of keep on their taxi squad and who they're trying to keep fresh. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets a bats against those guys as a way to warm up, but he will be in the lineup. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez will be in the lineup Friday that's why they've kept him out this whole weekend. It's, you know, with the, and and it's why you look at that, you know, the home run record and go, um, yes, of course they want it, but if they really wanted it, they'd be playing Max Kepler and they'd be playing Marvin Gonzalez. And instead, they're being deferential and, and uh, looking at the uh, the health factor in all this and, and choosing to go with that instead. And, and so, um, I, I think they're in really good shape. The only one right now who I think is the question mark is a rise and obviously that's a big question speaking of
0: randy dobner it looks like he had a uh, a fun wedding dan i saw the uh, the champagne goggles from the twins locker room on wednesday night made an appearance
1: yeah and i uh, i'll share this i dm'd him in the car on the way to the airport on uh on thursday because i thought it was hilarious that he was wearing his uh his globo gym costume so <laughs> he, he wore his rookie costume to the airport they were not going to make him he was flying commercially and they, the, his teammates were going to let him get away with just wearing his regular street clothes. I mean, he's flying commercial. They all had the f- good fortune of flying charter. They go on a bus, and that's it. Um, but Dobnak made the decision, and he was dressed up from Dodgeball, uh, one of the, the Globo Gym guys. And I mean, it kind of works out because his mustache looks a whole lot like the Ben Stiller character uh, from Dodgeball. And so I, I DM'd him. I said, hey, man, how did TSA go? And he got back like two minutes later and said, it went well. Got random, got randomly searched. Weird, he said. Uh, I guess they don't believe I'm the real White Goodman, uh, which is the <laughs> Ben Stiller character. Um, but he said the TSA dude loved it, and he's gotten a plenty of looks as he's sitting around waiting for his flight. You know, he got there, and I think it a 7:15 flight, and he was there like, you know, 40 minutes before. And, uh, he wore it the entire way, and I know the that, Kyle Gibson tweeted out the the after picture that he did wear it all the way to his house and or wherever they were meeting for the wedding in in Maryland and uh, that got him a lot of points in the clubhouse that he went through with it because you know everybody's for had sure. to do it and uh, so pretty pretty fun little side note there
0: well, we'll get into the full nuts and bolts of the Yankees series uh, on Thursday we'll have a ton of content this week including a uh, a new staff member who we will be announcing tomorrow. Well, uh, probably by the time you're listening. Actually, to this, no, you'll... it's gonna
1: be it'll be on this, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so by the time you're listening so. to this, you'll you'll see that we'll have tons of content from that person as well as Dan all week leading up to it. Wanted to shout out one story that's already on the site. If you missed it, because it went up Friday, maybe you were away for the weekend. But Dan and uh, Cody Stavenhagen from the Detroit site did a phenomenal oral history of the 2009 American League Central tiebreaker between the Twins and the Tigers. You might remember it, 12-inning fair, 6-5 to Twins win. It was the last Twins win at the Metrodome. Uh, just a phenomenal game and a phenomenal job uh, by you guys of, of getting all those uh, voices together. 23 players, coaches, staff, uh, everybody you, you want in there for the most part is there. You've got uh, Ron Gardenhire, Jim Leland. you've got Michael Kadire, Nick Punto, on and on, I could go, but uh, just Brandon some Inge phenomenal. Was great,
1: stuff. Brandon Inge like, was
0: fantastic. Some phenomenal stuff in there. Uh, definitely worth read.
1: Yeah, that was cool. It was uh, those things are fun. You know, I don't even think I watched the game. I was probably baseballed out by that point. Uh, the, the Padres were awful that season. I'd covered them, and um, probably just dialed out or tuned out for. You know, I watched some of the postseason, but um, I felt like I was there talking to you know i watched it on youtube over the summer and took notes and then you go and talk to these guys and you hope they remember some of the moments and some of the recall these guys is absolutely fascinating and uh is a real fun project to put together and you know the the great part is um honestly with these it's not just getting the players and everyone's memories it's getting the fans memories of it too and and you see the the comments on the bottom of the story and the uh the social media responses and and honestly, it's uh, it's you get the insight of the players and what they were thinking in these moments, and it's like a collective experience. And you don't get a lot of those community experiences where, you know, fifty five thousand people are in the dome, countless others watching at home, and they everybody remembers where they were for this game, uh, except for me. Um and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and they get to share it, and that stuff is really cool. I feel like that's one of the the fun things about doing stories like that
0: yeah and i I think i thought it was interesting how it felt like this particular story you you did a very similar one last summer uh about the 91 world series with jack morris's uh game seven when he went into the hall of fame and um you know personally that one is is the is the game in Twins history but it was also 1991 this one was much more recent and i I feel like uh, uh there was just as much if not more sort of commentary and and uh and good memories coming out of it because i think you sort of tapped into a maybe a, a different generation of twins fans for whom that's probably the high water mark for the franchise yeah. of the last 15 years or so
1: absolutely and that, that's cool because now we'll see what you know i don't think there's going to be any oral histories of this season uh Well, I still want the oral history
0: of of the 16 hours between the start of the the beer celebration and the Thursday day game in Detroit. I I I want to
1: hear from Jake Cave on the record about (laughs) how he felt when he reached third base after that triple on (laughs) Thursday. I hope I get that. I'm going to try and get that story. Uh, But, yes, that would be a fascinating oral history as well. It'll just be... That'll be in ten years from now, but <laughs> or maybe next year. But uh, that
0: is cruel. Yeah, cruel to make him leg out that triple. For sure. <laughs> uh, and then uh, uh, I think also by the time you're you're listening to this, there should be a uh, a cool piece up from you and Lindsay, Is that right, Dan?
1: Yeah, actually, there should be two cool pieces up uh, tomorrow. Lindsay and I are Lindsay Adler and I are doing a time stamp back and forth on the home run race here. Um, so Can you tell and that guy uh, in the background to shut up? Three. Jeez, what is this deal? <laughs> I know, I know. That that press box or, or that official scorer shouldn't use his microphone. Yeah, no, but just, uh, no respect. But, um, <laughs> exactly. This is, this is not. Come on. It, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, Pliddle is going on over here. Uh, right. I'm in the back corner. Nobody can see me or hear me. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, uh, Lindsey Adler or Yankees writer and I. Um, it's gonna be one of two pieces we do together this week. I think later in the week, probably as a preview, we're gonna do a strengths and weaknesses. Uh, of our collective teams and give you an idea of what the Yankees are feeling and what the Twins are feeling but but for um, Sunday night or Monday morning we'll have a uh, a back and forth on the home run chase down and some some quotes some funny moments from each of our teams over the course of the weekend because um, we're not quite sure the players really care that much but I'm sure they do um, but uh, you know ch- documenting that and then also Zach Meisel and I are, are Indians writer are going to do a how the uh, balance of power in the al central shifted with some insight from players to front office managers that kind of stuff so should be a lot of good content uh, up including our new uh new writers stuff on uh, monday too so you guys are gonna be busy this week reading the, the athletic i think
0: sounds like i'm gonna be busy too all right can't <laughs> wait we've entered that part of the calendar but uh I think that's all we got for today. It's now 7-1, Nation- Producer Adams Nationals, with a commanding lead over Cleveland. So it looks like, worst-case scenario, Twins are going to win the Central by eight games, maybe nine if they hold on to their, their win. They've won six in a row, trying to make it seven to finish the season, and then go into this little off period um, with uh, with uh, uh, you know on a high note. I don't know why I couldn't spit that out, but I couldn't. On Thursday, uh, Dan and I and our, our newest addition to the staff will uh, break down the ALDS in a little more detail, and between now and then, plenty of stuff for y'all to read on the site. Uh, that's all I got, Dan. Any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, Lance Lynn. Hey, look, look at that former twin and Yankee, Lance Lynn, shoving against the Yankees on the last day of the season. He is, oh, is at five what's and two going on? Thirds. Nice. Yeah, he's yeah. nine strikeouts. He just struck out Aaron Judge. Um, it. He's limited them to the one home run. So, uh, right now, at least, it's three oh seven, three oh six with both teams. The Twins have batted for the sixth time. The Yankees are two outs in the sixth inning. So this pretty fun little race <laughs> with nothing else to care about, really. It's uh, kind of entertaining stuff.
0: At least there's something to watch for on, on the final day. And, and uh, kudos to my mom and Aunt Rita for making the drive down to watch yeah, from uh, three that's rows pretty behind the They Twins got a good dugout. game. They, they got did. a good little game. It's been entertaining. A so. little, uh, little Ned Yost farewell party. A little uh, standing over for Whit Merrifield. Just uh, yeah. yeah, three homers. Alex man. Gordon. Yeah. yeah. All right. Gosh, should yeah. be on national TV this game. Hey, all right. We'll anyway, at
1: a different time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we hope we will be talking about uh, our 102 win Minnesota Twins, who are also uh, home run champions higher, of all time. But we will see how this all shakes out. Uh, we will talk to you next on Thursday, Twiddle Nation. Thank you as always for listening. We love you. We'll see you then.